What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as Hamhawks42 on the internet, and this episode is brought to you by Caffeine. Let's just call it what it is. Alright, so we are looking at the Gatherer. Let's go ahead and scroll on down to everybody's favorite card, or favorite button even, the random card button. Alright, and we are looking at Magus of the Future. So Magus of the Future is a 2-3 human wizard for 2 generic blue-blue-blue. So grand total mana cost of 5, and it is the majority of that is blue. Um, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may play the top card of your library. Sweet. All right, actually, that's pretty darn cool. So this is a human wizard. Um, it's from Future Sight. And if I'm not mistaken, there's actually a whole series of Maguses. And as I, if I'm understanding that correctly, the Maguses are actually all built around um, cards from the past. So Magus of the Future, um, if I'm not mistaken, is... Uh, it's it's a modification of Future Sight, which is an enchantment that does this exact same thing, where you're able to see the top card of your library and play with uh, play that card, which is a really cool twist on drawing extra cards. Not to mention um, spells like Telepathy, where you're where all players play with the top card uh, top card of their library revealed. Is that Telepathy? I could be getting that mistaken, but I know there are a number of cards that allow you to look at the top card of your library. And in general, I like stuff that does that. I'm a big fan. Um, except for Lantern Control, because I understand that's really not cool, which is a bummer, because I actually have a place at a Lantern of Insight, and I'd love to be able to use them in a way that's not super douchey. Anyway, so Magus of the Future. As I understand it, the Maguses are a whole series of wizards, I believe they were printed, they were all from Future Sight, that are designed off of older cards that are either artifacts or enchantments that allow you to do fun, cool, interesting things. Like there's Magus of the Wheel, which, if I recall correctly, is um, based off of Wheel of Fortune, where at the end of every turn you discard your hand and then draw seven cards. Um, and then there's... Or is that at the beginning of your turn? I think that's the beginning of every player's turn they do that. Then there's Magus of the Candelabra, which is... There's a, there's a Candelabra that did some really cool, weird things back in the day. Um, and there's a Magus that was designed off of that. So... Generally speaking, whenever, as I understand it, whenever you see a Magus, what they're really doing is taking an effect that you know and love that does that was either on an enchantment or an artifact, and they're putting it on a body. And with that comes some benefits, and it comes some risks. So the risk involved with something like this is the Magus can get blown up way more easily than Future Sight can, especially if you're going up against, say, red or black, the colors that don't really mess with enchantments consistently but can really mess up creatures. So that's a concern that you have. However, the flip side of that is cards that allow you to search for creatures, cards that allow you to modify you know, modify creatures, um, cards that allow you to duplicate creatures, all of those all of a sudden become available to you the moment you put an effect like this on a body. So it, there's some benefit, you know, there, there's, a, there's a give and take associated with that. Um, with this particular one, the cards that come to mind as far as being able to leverage this is, I mean, if, every time that you have, if you're in green-blue, for example, cards like Once Upon a Time, or commune with nature that allow you to dig through your top cards until you find a creature. Being able to specifically grab the maguses with that is a real significant benefit. Um, meanwhile, 
Well, I mean, that that comes to mind. The other one that I absolutely adore that I wouldn't mind grabbing something like this with is Pattern of Rebirth. Um, Pattern of Rebirth is an enchantment that does not get anywhere near the love it deserves, in my opinion, especially in Commander. It's phenomenal, and it's going for like $2 right now, and I don't understand. You look at something like Tooth and Nail, which if you're going to get the most advantage out of it, you got to pay 9 which... To be fair, Tooth and Nail rips. It's an amazing card. And usually it means pay nine, win the game. If you don't win this turn, you'll win next turn. It's amazing. I get that. But Pattern of Rebirth is half of a Tooth and Nail. It costs four for an aura and that attaches to a creature. And then when that creature dies, search your library for any creature and put it onto the battlefield. It's amazing. So on turn four, I can put it on like a spore frog, sacrifice that spore frog, and then go grab anything I want. If I have a combo that can leverage something like Magus of the Future, that would allow me to get Magus of the Future from my library onto play on turn four. That's pretty great. Yeah, so something like that would be really neat. Now, the moment you en enable a combo engine like that, there's no reason that you can't go grab any number of phenomenal cards and phenomenal creatures that are big and bad and capable of finishing out a game. So why in the world would you possibly want to reach for Magus of the Future? Well, the biggest reason that I can think of is the ability to play just about anything. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is if you're in a situation where you have access to infinite mana, or you have access to something like Omnipotence, where you're able to play cards for free, the moment you have this ability down, this is so much better than drawing cards in those instances. Because the moment you play the top spell of your library, you have a new top spell. And then you can play that one too. So if you're in a situation where you have an obscene amount of mana at your disposal, whether it's because you've created an infinite mana combo or some kind of combo that can produce a significant amount of mana... Um, it doesn't even have to be infinite necessarily, just a lot is usually good. Because something like this will allow you to burn through those effectively until you hit multiple lands. And even then, what I would recommend is because you're in blue, I would have some kind of option to mill. Um, if you're going if you're gonna try to burn through your deck with something like this, because this is basically the precursor to experimental frenzy. If you think about it, Future Sight and Experimental Frenzy have a lot in common. If you're not familiar, Experimental Frenzy is an enchantment for four, one of which is red. So it's actually a red version. And what it does is it allows... Well, this is the same thing. You can play the top card of your library. However, the flip side of that, what makes it kind of red, is that you cannot play cards out of your hand. And so you have to play just the top card of your library. But the moment you play it, you get to move on to the next one. And the reason that that's incredibly powerful in red is because decks that have a lot of low-cost creatures in red don't have very many lands, and they just have a lot of really low-cost, really low-CMC creatures and burn spells, and so you're able to churn through a lot of them at once, basically until you hit two lands is what it comes down to. The biggest thing, if you're going to be playing something like Magus of the Future, Future Sight, Experimental Frenzy, um, Bolus's Citadel is another one that does something similar. If you're doing any of these that allow you to tinker with the top card of your library, the biggest thing, the biggest recommendation I can give you the turn this comes in, if you can avoid playing a land from your hand, avoid playing a land from your hand. Because 
if I play my land drop out of my hand, and then I play Magus of the Future, now, if it's my turn five and I needed to hit that land in order to get the mana to do it, okay, then it is what it is. But, if you're able to, if you're able to hold land, or just not play a land, whether you have it in your hand or not, if you do have it in your hand, hold it, don't play it, because you're going to inevitably flip a land on top of your library, and if you don't have that land drop for turn, um, available to you, that land is going to be a big old stopper. On the, You can have all the mana in the world. If you have a land on top and you do not have a land drop for turn or some way to mill it out, it's just going to sit there taunting you because you're not going to be able to dig any deeper. So that's the one thing I would highly, highly, highly recommend you. Do not play land from your hand if you are going to do a future site uh, top deck shenanigans. So anyway, just a little public service announcement uh, on that. Overall, Megas of the Future, interesting card. It is a wizard, so that's kind of cool. And it is, it, the problem is it's a fairly highly costed wizard. But if you're running in like a commander deck or even a brawl deck, hell, let's say, although it's not lethal in brawl, so never mind. If you're running a commander deck where you're leaning on wizards and you, you know, card draw is one of those things, you can never have enough of it. Actually, that's the other thing you could do. If you do need to hit your land drops this way and you're playing cards off the top of your library, you can always play draw spells to get to draw the lands up into your hand to get them off the top, and then you can flip again. So that's pretty slick. Any any opportunity you have um, to draw or mill will be really beneficial when you're using something like this. But I gotta say, this is fun. Magazine of the Future has a lot of fun combo potential, and it gives you. A lot of cool options. Uh, the other thing that's really nice is if you're in a situation where knowing the top card of your library is going to be really beneficial, um, you can. So if you're in a situation where you're playing with, say, Miracles or a card like Intet the Dreamer that it allows you to interact with the top card of your library or Eureka the Tiger Shadow, one of my personal favorites that does really care about that top card of your library, what you can do is... Before, right before you hit the point where that top card is going to matter. If you're running a Miracles deck, it's like right before your draw step. If it's um, if you're running with Eureka, it's usually right before your combat step, or right before combat damage is dealt. If it's in a moment when, um, you know, if it's Intet, same thing, right before combat is really the, the moment when that matters the most. What you can do is if the top card isn't what you want, that's when you can use abilities that will allow you to shift that around. Um, and cards like Mere Mind Slaver is a card that I absolutely adore. It's a one, I think it's a one one for one. And you can pay two and shuffle your library. It's just, it's a little mere artifact creature and it just allows you to shuffle your library. It's great. I love it. It's super silly and it's super fun. And in a situation like this, if the top card's not what you need, you can just pay two, shuffle your library. Now, Mere Mind Servant is kind of inefficient. It's kind of silly and it's on a really squishy body, so it's easy to remove. Not the best way to shuffle your library. You know what is the best way to shuffle your library? Fetch lands. If you don't have the dual-colored fetch lands, the um, the Misty Rainforest, the, uh, the, what are the Marsh Flats, um, Scalding Tarns, if you don't have those because you're like me and you just can't afford them because they are ludicrously expensive and you weren't cracking packs when they were in packs... Um, that's okay, because the thing about those fetch lands, they give you a ton of amazing consistency, but if you don't have the expensive lands to fetch out of them, you're not going to get the value for that price tag anyway. But you know what you can get for about $0.05 cents right now? 
Evolving Wilds. Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic Expanse. Those two cards are phenomenal when you are tinkering with a card that cares about the order of your library. Um, you know, like Eureka, Intet, etc., etc. So with Magus of the Future, you can see exactly what that top card is. And if it's not what you want, crack an Evolving Wilds. Go search for whatever non, whatever basic land you care about in the moment. If you're running Magus of the Future, there's a good chance it's going to be Islands, although you'll have plenty of them in play if he's already there. Then you put that land down. You don't really care about the land. It comes into play tapped. Okay, cool. But the real benefit you're getting out of it is shuffling your library. So you shuffle up, then you... you put together a new top card. And if you don't like that, that, and so that's a situation where you can play an Evolving Wilds and leave it there. Leave it there for a couple of turns even if you if you need to, because the real benefit is to shuffle your library. In a situation where you care about the land, okay, great, go get a land. But later in the game, where your land is in good shape, you don't need the mana, then the added bonus of those fetch lands and even those, you know, even the cheap ones, the added bonus of those fetch lands is that you get to shuffle your library. The same goes for ramp spells um, or creatures that allow you to shuffle. So think about Sakura Tribe Elder. It's a rampant growth on a body. Well, or rampant growth, where you search your library for a basic land, put it into play, then shuffle your library. Shuffling your library is a benefit that you're getting out of those spells. So if you don't like the top card, if you're not seeing what you need, Mags of the Future can show you if you're getting, if you're about to get what you need. Now, the, only, the flip side of that is the top card of your library is revealed. Your opponents can see what's happening. So if they are taking decent notes, they will know what is in your hand. So if, they, if they're paying attention, they will know what's in your hand. Use that to your advantage. Because if they know you have a counter spell in hand, that's the other thing. Cards like Counterspell, cards like Boomerang, the biggest benefit that you get out of them is being able to stop your opponent from doing things. However, the other benefit is that your opponents will not want to do things if they know you have the option of stopping them. And so if your opponent knows you have a Counterspell in hand, there's a really good chance they're not going to play certain spells. And if they don't play a spell guess what? You have stopped them from playing that spell, and you don't even need to use up the counter spell. It's great. No, more mature players, players who've been around for a long time, and take this as a public service announcement, if you know the blue control player has a counter spell in their hand, play into it. Play a spell knowing that it's going to get hit. And it's best if you can find a spell that looks threatening so they will want to take advantage of it, but it's not your plan A. It's not the best card you have. That's the best thing you can do. I love having feints in my hand. I love having two or three different options that can get me to the win and playing my plan B while I have my plan A in my hand. If you know you're going up against counter spells, that's the way to go. Now, if you're the control player though, let them know that you have that counter spell. That's okay. It's okay to let them know you have it. Megas of the future is going to show them that you have it. That's okay. Because if you're in a commander game, if you have a pot of five or six people and you let well, four or five people, and you let them all know you have a counterspell in hand, and you have the mana untapped to use it, just let it go around the table and just watch how many people sit on their hands. You will stop four, even five spells from, from going off just because you have it in hand. Because nobody wants to be 
Nobody wants to be that butthole who gets hit by the counterspell they saw coming, especially when you're in a big old group. And so somebody's got to take one for the team and just absorb it. And it stinks to be that person. You don't want to be in that situation. Um, well, but but then then you start getting into politics because then if I know that I my opponent has a counterspell and I I can gain some I can curry some favor with some other folks if I'm the one to absorb it. Um, and so that's one of those things where then you start getting into the interpersonal political shenanigans, and that can be fun. Well, in Magus of the Future, does it, it can give you that. It can give you that side of things. Um, I'm a big fan of cards like this because they do interesting, weird things. They change the way the game is played. I'm all about it. And Magus of the Future, uh, Future Sight, where the enchantment that is kind of that is very similar to. Actually, I think the mana cost might even be the same. Um, yeah, I just I think they're great. They are they give you a lot of cool options. They do a lot of cool things for you. They change the dynamic around the table in a new interesting way. I don't know if it's you know, I don't know if there is a competitive deck in like modern or um actually I don't think this is available. I don't think this is legal in Pioneer, but you know, I don't I don't know that there's a legacy or a modern deck that could really use this um i don't know those metas super well who knows there might be a version i know lantern control is something that does something similar to this except um it uses lantern of insight which is an artifact that only costs one and all players um play with the top card revealed so and then of course they have a bunch of stuff that's just not that that deck is a feel bad kind of a deck because it just doesn't it prevents people from drawing the cards they want um and that they control the game by controlling what cards go into your hand which is like Oof, that's a that's a that's unpleasant, let's say. But anyway, so I, I don't advocate for lantern control. If you're a lantern control player, hey, actually I I have a kudos to you for being able to control you know people uh, on that level. Um, but I gotta say, I prefer I prefer games where people are able to play their cards and have some fun doing it. And Magus of the Future um, does give you some options for how to do that. And it'll, it, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Now, this thing does have some flavor text. Those gifted with the sight have one eye in the present and the other in the future. Oh, that's kind of fun, because we do see, you know, the idea of the second sight, the idea of being able to perceive the future is something that we see a lot in various fantasy stories. That's an interesting way to put it. One eye is seeing into the future, where the other is seeing into the present. Um... I'd imagine that gets tricky to work with. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder, does does this Magus just kind of walk around with one eye closed, you know, half the time just so it doesn't get distracted with the future as it's, like, trying to just navigate? Um, you know, if it's just trying to write something down, does it need to, like, close its future eye? I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming it's not literal, but, you know, hey, it's fun. All right, guys, thank you so much. This has been Magus of the Future on Overthinking MTG. I've been Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. You can check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash HamHawks42. You can also hit me on Discord. That link is in the description. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for hanging out, and I will catch you next time.